Welcome to Second Win, the podcast where we uncover the stories, methods, and modalities of women and men who have found their purpose while walking this earth. Sometimes they found their second win by accident, sometimes by hardship, and sometimes by intent. There is always something to learn from others and really isn't finding our own purpose what we are all looking for. I know I am. And that's why I'm hosting this very podcast. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. Welcome, Second Wind. I am honored to share this conversation with you today with Dr. Rob Kelly. He is an executive coach and a addiction psychologist and behavioral scientist. And he coaches and he does public speaking and all this stuff. He's an author, a podcast and radio host. You've probably seen him on the doctor's, you know, television show, along with other television shows. He founded the Rob Kelly Recovery Group in November of 2012. And get this, he has a 98% success rate, which is unheard of. When he told me that, I couldn't believe it. He believes and knows very detailed information about our neuropathways, what makes us think the way we think, and believes we all have a million-dollar mind, but our pathways have been blocked, moved, changed, and he helps put those back together. And I don't know about any of you out there, but alcoholism and drug addiction, I believe, affect all of us in some way. And there's alcoholics in my husband's side of the family. I'm not really sure about my birth side. Nobody's really shared that with me. But my mother-in-law actually died tragically because her alcohol blood level was so high. She passed out with a cigarette and basically burned to death. Horrible, horrible, horrible. We tried to help her once, but didn't know about you then, Dr. Kelly. (laughs) So, you know, and they let her just walk away from the intervention and that was the end of that. So, you know, and then it's through the family. So I see my husband, I, I said, well, you're not an alcoholic, but you sure are a workaholic. Same thing. And I see my oldest son, the tendencies are there. I know with myself an all or nothing approach. And I knew, somehow I just knew not to try drugs as a youth. I I just knew I would love it too much, so I never did. Thank God. But I see our 30s and 40-year-olds, they're using things like marijuana every day and thinking, well, it's just like having a drink. I beg to differ, and we'll talk about that a little bit today, but it's such an underlying thread in our society. And Dr. Rob has such an interesting story about his plight and his fight to save his life. And I am so thrilled to share this. So thank you so much for coming on Second Win the podcast, Dr. Rob. My pleasure. Absolutely, Wendy. Hey, guys, how are you doing? I hope you're having a great day. Great to be here, guys. Thank you so much. And Dr. Rob, there was a time in the heat of the moment when you figured that you had the aha moment. You had the second wind aha moment and it just changed everything for you. Can you share that with us? I certainly can. You know, back in the day, I think I was homeless at the time. My memory's not great around the area, but I remember this specific incident because I always thought it's the alcohol. 
An alcoholic is somebody who drinks too much alcohol. That's what I got told. That's what I believed. That's right. what I suffered from. And I'm stood outside at what we call an off-license in England, liquor store in America, probably about 5.30 in the morning. Guy's not supposed to serve liquor till 10, 6 a.m., but he knows me. He knows what I'm going through. And I'm sweating. I'm hot. I have a vest on. I'm, I'm shaking. I'm trembling. I have a banging headache. I have flip-flops on and it's snowing, but I'm sweating profusely. There's called delirium tremors. I'm going through the DTs. If I don't get alcohol in my body in the next 30 minutes, I reckon I'm going to pass out and probably die or get to hospital. Uh, he opens the door. I close in. He closes the door behind me. He locks it again, obviously. And this, this I've done this thousands of times. But on this occasion, I remember putting my 10 pound on the counter and him putting the bottle of vodka on. And this was my reaction. Shaking to no shaking. No shaking, no sweats, no headache, great mood. I remember it was like slow motion for me that day. I remember looking at the bottle, looking at him, looking back at the bottle, and all of a sudden I thought, oh, my goodness, it's not the alcohol. And that was my moment. That was my moment that I knew that possibly I could get out of this because I'd lost everything, kids, wives, houses, everything, self-respect. I died twice on the streets but they brought me back to life. Hated those guys for that at the time. I knew it's not the alcohol. It was me. So I phrased the line, I don't have a drinking problem. What I have is a thinking problem. Thinking problem. I love that. Yeah. Because it's in, it's even me. I, I, I'm like, I'd really like to have a glass of wine tonight. And it's like, but why? Why? It's, it's not helping anything. It's not, it's not actually good for us. It's actually a poison. Definitely is. That's exactly what it is. It's a poison. You see, alcoholics are allergic to the ethanol in alcohol, not just the alcohol. Ethanol is in gas. So you can imagine that poison going inside your body. Alcoholics are born. Drug addicts are made. Completely different brains, completely. So yeah, anything we put inside our body, marijuana, whatever it is, anything that's foreign that gives us some kind of effect is, is poison. You know, it, it will do damage to the body wherever it really will. If mo most processed foods that we eat are damaging the body. You know, yeah. we need to get back to raw eating. We need to stay away from this middle of the supermarket. We need to get to the, the walls, follow the walls around where all the real food is, you know, and drink plenty of water and get plenty of sunlight because there's so much going on in the brain and the body that people are not really aware of. We just, we eat what we see on TV, you know, most of it's been banned in other countries with the corn yeah. syrup and stuff, which is really bad for us. But it's in most things. Why? Because it's cheap. End of story, you know. But there's four chemicals every day that need to happen for me to be happy today. And you have to re eat the right foods for them to happen. Once is the endorphins. We get to the gym, work out, plenty of, uh, plenty of exercise. Next is the dopamine. It's our reward system. So even if I say thank you to somebody, compliment them, dopamine's released into my brain. The serotonin is my social belonging and the sunlight. Get out there. Stop isolating. Get with people. Mix with them. Feel the love in your groups. And the oxytocin, which is kind of the cuddling one, is uh, be intimate with somebody, not sexual. Intimate. Hug somebody. Like somebody. You know, stuff like that. Human bonding is very important. When then four chemicals are, are, are blasted around the brain, it's impossible to be depressed. But guess what? We're sticking these chemicals in our body that the main purpose 
is to eat cheap and, 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 and have a long-lasting effect will lead to depression because most people follow this plan. And guys, no disrespect, and this is latest neuroscience. We've only just found out about this, but I get depressed. So what happens when I get depressed? I go, hey, Rob, you I mean, need to go Dr. to the- Rob, you get depressed now? Well, now, you? no, I, I, I used to. But what okay. people say to me is, hey, go to the doctor. He'll, he'll give you some uh, anti-depression oh. meds. So right. what I do is I go to the doctor, they give me the meds, and in a week or two times, I'm back to normal. But if I come off them again, I'm going to be depressed. Why isn't anybody asking why my serotonin is low in the first place? Why do I need an outside source to make me feel good? Everything is inside my body. Again, just like you said, when they were born, this is my, my experience, my scientific research, is neuropathways for health, for cell but for wealth, for prosperity, for loving, already made inside the brain. What we need to do is connect them. Everyone's born with a million-dollar mind. Stop hanging around 10-cent minds. Get the brakes off your imagination, guys. Many of the just, oh, well, this one's supposed to do for us to get married. This is the way marriage is. Says who? Who's making these rules? I don't like these rules. When me and Janet got married, it's like we're going to make our own rules up. We have to dance every morning in the bathroom. We throw stuff at each other while we're on TV. You know, come on. This is, this is for living. You get one chance at this. I went to bed last night, Wendy. I was 19 years old. I woke up this morning. I'm 61. That's how fast life goes. Everyone thinks you got time. You don't have time. Go start that business. Go date that girl. Buy that house. Do whatever you've got to do now. Be present because we're not guaranteed Nothing. Correct. Absolutely. 100% agree. No one's not going to know with a million dollar check, guys. I know. Well, I would love, I'm so impressed and, and just in awe uh, and admiration. I don't, I don't know, re- respect of your story. I know you've told it a million times, but will you share it with the Second Wind audience? Like, what happened to you? What happened to you? Well, I was born into a lower-class family. We didn't have much money, but we had lots of love. Dad was uh, digging roads for the gas board and laying outside pipes, and my mom cleaned other people's houses. That had a long-lasting effect. We'll get into that later. I was a musician from the age of two or three. They bought my first guitar. Musical family, auntie and uncle, and me at the age of nine went out gigging in pubs and clubs. But many a time, because I was big for my age, joined a pretend mustache on me so I could get into these bars and quietly play bass in the background. And we played a big gig once and I was nervous. Real long story short, I was nervous. Uncle gave me a a glass of uh, beer and I drank that beer and the first four or five mouthfuls changed my life. I went back on stage, no nerves. I was was a great. And as I went into school more, I could talk to girls when they had this magical liquid that I took. So yeah, 89, I took my first drink. Okay. And well, I've joined my research and studies. I don't think anybody has specific, specifically studied the brain pertaining to alcoholism uh, as I have. Over 30 years studying uh, papers are coming out next next year. Some great stuff we found out. But oh, you know, wow. went back to school, everything's good. I a normal school. Schooling was good. I played guitar a lot. Not very good at sports, you know, but I always knew that I didn't really fit in anywhere apart from when either was drinking or I was playing guitar. I used to hide behind this guitar and, and it was amazing. So that's where my life was. So, you know, I just, I was drinking all through school and 
when did, I, I can't, I don't know what this is to this day. I've tried so much work on this trauma piece, but I just knew that I didn't want what my mom and dad had or brothers no. or sisters, cousins, aunties. I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to grasp the world and make a difference. And I tried it in music, but ended up being a, a studio musician at Abbey Road, played with Elton John, Queen, Bowie, all them guys, but I've never got famous on my own because you get very rarely get a mention. So I, I went to university, but through wangling and, you know, all sorts of stuff that alcoholics, because we have the great mind, get up. So I still went to Oxford University and the money from Abbey Road paid for my tuition. Wow. First person in the Kelly family going back six generations to ever go to college, never mind Oxford University. So what I did, it gave me a sense of, okay, I am the imposter syndrome. There's no doubt about that. But how far can we take this? I used to mm. ask myself, how far can I really take? And I still, ask the, I still ask the same question today, you know? But the problem being is, is it's never, never enough for me, you know? It's like, if I want 20, I'll do 30. If I want 40, I'll do 50. It's always been the same that I have to work on a daily basis, but went through college, drinking, drinking, uh, and then come out of college, got a PhD in uh, psychology, and then yeah, got married, you know, had the two children, drinking, 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 and then it all turned on me. I remember one morning walking around my garden or yard uh, thinking, why does everybody keep telling me I have a drink problem? 5.30 in the morning whilst I'm drinking, my first half bottle of vodka. Now, this is not normal thinking, okay, guys? But I'm thinking, why is everybody on at me? Come on, i got a big house, got the cars. And uh, I, I hid behind my wealth for a long time, and, and eventually it took its toll. And uh, boy, did it take its toll. From, from, from this, from Oxford, to playing with all these guys, to, you know, starting a company, you know, being very comfortable, bringing cars every year, and, you know, big houses and, I remember coming down once, uh, coming downstairs one morning. This is how bad he got, guys. I came down the stairs one morning, a couple of two or three o'clock. I snuck down because I needed a drink. I'd be drinking for about last two or three weeks constantly. And I came mm -hmm. downstairs and I went into the kitchen and I was looking for a bottle of vodka. I knew I had one there somewhere and I eventually found it. I took it out of the cupboard. I placed it on the countertop. I turned around to get a crystal glass because, hey, I'm not an alcoholic. I took this $400 crystal glass. I turned around, and my wife had followed me downstairs, and she snatched a bottle of vodka off the side, and she said, Rob, I think you've had enough. She was probably right. I should have thanked her, gone back to bed, slept another four hours, got into work for important meetings. But what this alcoholic did was took, took a kitchen knife out and stabbed her three times. No. Yes. I don't remember doing this. Complete blackout. Drank a bottle of vodka and fled to Spain. That's where alcoholism took me. And much more. I mean, oh my God, oh so my much more after that. Wow. Okay. That gives us a pretty good picture. So I would imagine after that incident, uh, things got pretty ugly for you. It did. I fled to Spain. I wouldn't come back until she dropped charges for attempted murder. Because she, she, it wasn't that bad, the stabs, would you believe? We lost blood, but it didn't hit any organs. So I came back three months later, and, and she's literally waiting for me at the door with cases packed. So I, um, I, I said, you can't leave me. You, you, know, you can't do this to me. Who do you think you are? And she left with my kids. 
Wow. And I remember you know, my attorney is saying, look, she's taken off with the kids, get to court first thing in the morning, get that judge, get my kids back tomorrow morning. And that's what he did. He came with my kids, ages one and three, Charlie and Abigail. I took him into the front room. I turned the TV on. I, I paid him his check. I walked into the kitchen. And this is, this is it, guys. Pay attention here. Okay? We do not have a choice over alcohol when we're in alcoholism. I took a beer out of the fridge, and I drank it to celebrate getting my kids back. Three weeks later, sorry, three days later when the police kicked the door down, because daddy's been in a blackout for three days, and the kids have not been fed or changed diapers for two days, the police kicked the door down, took the children who nearly died off out the road, kicked me awake, served with unfit father papers, and took them to oh the door. God. I staggered to the door. My wife was there. The police were there. The social services there. The child protection was there. My wife took the youngest and then passed it to, to mom. And then the police officer gave Charlie, my, my three-year-old, four-year-old around that, uh, to mommy. And they started walking away. And, and, and Charlie was holding mommy's hand as she's walking down the path. And these three things, the, the stuff that killed me, she said, Daddy, Daddy, please don't go. Halfway down the path, she said, Daddy, Daddy, please get better. Wow. They got to the gate. They opened the gate, and she turned around one more time and says, Daddy, Daddy, please stop drinking. And I couldn't do it, guys. I couldn't do it for my children. I couldn't do it for my mom. And I went back into the house, and I opened another beer. And about five or six weeks later, three, five, six weeks later, I was sat on the streets of Manchester going, where the hell did that just go wrong? I was homeless for the first time in my life. Parents disowned me. Brother and sister wouldn't speak to me. My house is gone. My cars had gone. My holiday home had gone. My business was gone. My everything had gone within weeks. And that was it. I was homeless. And I, oh. I stayed on the streets for 14 months, fighting every day to stay alive. And it, it was sad. It was lonely. And when did the pain and the abandonment it was like somebody puncturing my heart every single day with a knife. The feeling of being in pain, of loneliness, sadness, remorse, guilt, pain, all that stuff, every single day. I just tried to get rid of that. I, I tried to commit suicide on seven occasions, and on two occasions it worked, and I died, and they brought me back to life from the side of an old stinky road in the back end of Manchester. And I hated them guys for that because I didn't want to live anymore. Mm. And uh, it was just horrible. And that's what it took me. So you find yourself at this like little newsstand kind of thing, right? And you make that aha moment and you're at the, I would imagine you're at the the pinnacle, the height of this situation you're in. It's not getting any better, right? And then that you make that aha moment. What happens when you make that that revelation. Well, the crazy thing is, even though the knowledge was there, I didn't stop drinking. I went on six months drinking on the streets. And then I had what some people call a spiritual awakening. There's one night I'm walking down the back ends of Manchester, like factories, businesses, no, no people, no houses, no bus, bus routes. And I, it was raining. And I dropped down to my hands and knees. And I, I always get upset when I talk about this. Uh, if 30 odd years, I keep getting upset. I was done, Wendy. I was on my hands and knees. The rain was hitting my back. I was crying from my, 
I had a pain in my belly as I was crying from, I was just crying and I looked up and I don't know why, because I got molested when I was in the church choir from my headmaster. So God was nowhere near me. And I looked up to the heavens and the, and the rain was beating on my face. And I said, if there's a God up there, I can't do this on my own anymore. 30 seconds later, a guy walked around the corner with a little Bible in his hand. He'd missed his last bus on from Bible study. I'm not a Bible guy. He walked up to me and said, you need help. And that's where my life took off again. And that's a crazy story. And I mean, that's, and some people might hear that little insert you put in there about uh, your younger years being molested and would make the summation very easily. Well, oh, well, that makes sense. He had trauma when he was younger, right? That would make sense why this happened. It was unaddressed trauma. What do you have to say to that? Well, trauma is very important. We study trauma. We, we specialize in trauma. Uh, trauma is the gateway drug, okay? It's not marijuana. Marijuana will still get you in bad places and addiction, but trauma is the gateway drug. So you've got to understand one thing with me, specialize in alcoholism, though we do addiction. The alcoholic brain is born with the hypothalamus, the basal ganglia, and the amygdala different to the normal brain, okay? So that's why I live on the streets. Now, the trauma adds to that, you know, when you feel less than, when you've been molested, when you've been abandoned, when you've done all this stuff going through it, and stuff that you then uncover later that was deep trauma, hence the phrase here at Rob Keller Recovery Group, anything less than nurturing as a child is child abuse. Think about that for a second. It's just the way it is. So I, a trauma played a big part. And if I didn't clear my trauma up, I would be relapsing and dead by now. So born with alcoholism, but trauma enhanced it like crazy because that was my go-to thing all the time was alcohol, all the time. And I often explain this. There was a girl snatched off the road in Manchester many, many years ago, back in the 70s, blue-haired, blonde-eyed, teenager schoolgirl, and it was a manhunt and they couldn't find her. And nine months later, uh, police cars following another car down the road. Remember, it's back in the day. He pulled him over for a spot check, broken indicator, signal light, looked in his trunk, stolen screwdriver. Now they're back to the house, see what else they've, they've stolen. Sure enough, he had lawnmowers, he had shovels, he had everything. And in the corner of this room, there was a box four foot high by about 12 foot wide. And he said, we know you've got stolen stuff in there. So that he said, I don't know anything about that box. Smashed the lock off, opened the lid, and there was the girl that was snatched off the streets nine months ago. She was taken out of the box, restroom fed, abused back in the box for nine months. Okay. Now, the policewoman leant over. She was alive. She was bruised and battered, but she was alive. She was crying. They took her out of the box. The, woman, the policewoman helped her step outside the box. She took her coat off and she wrapped it around the girl. What's the first thing do you think she did, Wendy? She got back in the box. That, another aha moment for me. Oh, my God. Do, yeah. So we look at all the things that's happened around the world, you know, where people keep getting back in the box, you know, and that's what we do. We need to smash that box up. We need to get rid of it. We need to never go back there ever again. There's the trauma. We always run back to a comfort blanket. That's it's our neural pathways. Yeah. Alcoholics and addicts is when we both mix here. Have more self-sabotage in neural pathways than they have good. I'm saying we have 80%. This is my research and my opinion. 
80% neural pathways that lead to self-harm, to self-sabotage, 20% good. Normal human beings are bought with 80% good, 20% bad. So we're up against our thinking all of the time. Wow. We're very sensitive people. And when we've been gone through this trauma time and time again, then we could become isolating all the time. And that's where the alcohol or the drugs or whatever it is, the sex, the porn, that's when we isolate. That, that kills us, you know? It absolutely kills us. Oh, my gosh. This is such a multi-layered thing. Mm. Interesting. So tell us what happened. So this gentleman who misses his bus randomly happens to be in an area that you you aren't really familiar with either, right? Correct. You, right. So you're both in a, in, in a place that you don't normally go. And he says, you need help. And the story that transpires from here is very interesting. You know it, do don't you? you? Yeah. Well, anyway, that's why I do my pre-interview. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you guys. It's a beautiful. I'll, I'll cut it short because it's, it's beautiful. Really it is a beautiful story. It is. But uh, he took me back to his house. He said, you can stay here for as long as you want. One condition. And I said, what is it? He said, you need to come to the 12-step meeting with me. Oh, hated them meetings. But I went. Because it was a bed for the night and food and showered for the first time in six or seven months. Well, we got to the meeting, sat in there, listening to all these war stories, all these people bragging of how much they used to drink, how miserable they are, one day at a time, where I was recovering from this. Oh, just, I was just trying to phase out in my head. And then I heard a guy called, my name's John, I'm a recovered alcoholic. And I thought, what did he just say? Recovered? You can't recover from this stuff. Then we have a book in the, in the 12 step and he kept, he kept quoting the book. And he, and he kept, he was just amazing. So when he finished and the meeting finished, I walked over and I asked John to sponsor me. And he said, no. Now, just before I got hoping the floor would swallow me up, he said, I'll be your spiritual advisor for 12 weeks. So I was like, that's weird. Okay. So he told me to bring the book, the big book and the dictionary. And I walked to that man's house for an hour. I think it was a Wednesday. I get my days mixed up every Wednesday for 12 weeks. Walked an hour, spent an hour with him, walked an hour back. On my last Wednesday there, when I walked out of that man's house, I knew I would never drink again as long as I continued to follow the program that he'd shown me. We talked about God, we talked about philosophy, we talked about human beings, we talked about the brain, the brain back in the 80s. This is how amazing it was. And I walked out, he said, hey, things are going to change from tomorrow. I can't change from tomorrow, living in this guy's basement on a blow-up mattress. You know, Jim, nobody knows I'm there. I'm abandoned again. Sure enough, I went home and the next day. Derek came out at 11 a.m. It's like, not supposed to be out till five. Rob, there's a part-time job going sweeping the floors at the factory. Do you, do you want it? I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. Not thinking of John. Next day, he turned into a full-time job. Anyway, these great things was happening. And I got my first paycheck after about two weeks. And it used to be, it used to be cash in the day connected to like a little packet with your hours on it. And I thought, wow, John was right. So I went to the gas station and I bought him a little teddy bear and a little card and I wrote on the card. Your first paycheck. First paycheck since, uh, since yeah. the street. So excited. I mean, it's probably about $5, Wendy. I don't know. It was nothing, but I, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, my life's taking off. Walked back to the guy's house, to John's house, got there in his apartment. He looked a bit derelict, knocked on the door. Person on the right come up. He says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, where, where's John moved to? He looks like he's, you know, John. There's nobody in there called John. My apartment's been vacant for at least six months and I've been in the premises. Okay, thank you. 
I knew I had the right address. He's crazy. Went to the left hand, knocked on this guy's door. He came to the door and he says, can I help you? I said, Where, where's John relocated to? He said, John. I'm like, why do people keep saying John with a question mark? I said, yeah, John, the guy that lived next door to you. He says, I, you've got the wrong place. I said, I've not got the right. I've got the right. I remember the door color. I know I've been coming here for 12 weeks. And he said that derelict for at least a year. That means you can't go in it. It's dangerous. I was like, no. So I come out. I'm confused, guys. I'm like, what? So I went back to the meeting and I got the chairman. I said, I remember three three months ago or so, I came in here, started talking to John, rolling in the coffee machine, chatting away. And he said, John, how the, there's that word again, John. I said, John, I was over near the coffee machine talking to him. And he said, and I quote, what are you talking about, Rob? You're over near the coffee machine speaking to yourself. I have never found that man. Nobody has ever heard of him. And that's why we have almost 100% success rate of what we do, because it's that program he's shown me with my education streetwise that comes into our program we're the only company, normal success rates, I'm going to be generous, 8%. We're 97. Right. And nobody in the world, in the world, offers a money-back guarantee as long as you continue to do our program ever. That's what I got it from. Got it from John. So, yeah, and I great. said to you, and the reason why you even told me that story a few weeks ago was, I said, well, do you think God had something to do this? Do you believe in, like an angel came along? Like, why would that gentleman miss his bus? Like the circumstances and the coincidences, what do you think about that? Well, they were coincidences, Wendy. And over the last uh, 30 odd years, I've been doing this. There's no such thing as coincidences. Nobody sits in front of my, me by mistake. And I do not say that in ego. I say that with experience of walking with God. You know, people sometimes say when they see me on TV and stuff and or watch your ego up. I haven't got an ego. My ego went when they took the kids off me. You know, mm. this is walking hand in hand with, with my God and him showing miracles on a daily basis. Not just things as coincidences. You know, if you're doing the right thing and standing in the sunlight of spirit and you don't get that job you go for, I would bet my whole, that everything I have money-wise, that there's a better one coming in the next several weeks. I've, I've, I've worked with over, well, it'll be almost 8,000 people now. That I've 8, worked talking to a couple of people, guys. You know, 8,000 people. We used to hold book studies in Manchester in a library with four to 600 people at the same time working with them because I knew that I was born to do this, what I do today, and I'm passionate about it. And I border on aggressive. People think I'm crazy, you know, and, and my methods, I don't care. The, the proof is in the pudding. There's nobody out there as passionate as me because I don't want you to go through what I've been through, guys. I don't want you to lose the kids. I don't want you to suffer like I've suffered. We talk about rock bottom. Rock bottom as once I pulled a girl out, a $1,000 a night hotel drinking $500 bottles of champagne. That was a rock bottom. It doesn't mean you have to lose it. This is why I do this, to stop you going down as far as I went. So when I look back, Wendy, at that, all my stuff I'm embarrassed about, right. then becomes my greatest asset. Right. Because people sit down and go, what do you know, Dr. Robin, your big house? I've seen that car you drive. I've seen the other car. I've seen, what, what do you know about homelessness? I go, sit down, let me talk to you about that. What do you know about losing your kids? Sit down, let me talk to you about that. 
It's like God put them through all this stuff. It's like a semester at Harvard, to be honest. It outweighs my education at colleges. Way outweighs it. Because that I now I use to my advantage. I'm real. I'm streetwise. I'm authentic. I'm educated. I'm good looking. I'm talented. Okay, maybe not the last two. That's a few. Now I've just lost coming up to a hundred pounds over the last. I know. Years. If you go back to your, if you get on his website and you go back to the old uh, videos, two years like 2014, I'm like, whoa, different guy, different guy. But what's most interesting in the conversation we had earlier was I said, you know, I think the whole thing came up because I said, so do you think spirit, God, energy has anything to do with this? Then you told me that story. And then I said, do you think that you had to, do you think you purposely went through all this Mm. so that you could do this? You know, that's the question I've been pondering for 30 years is, I stood here today, Wendy, because I've still not seen my youngest daughter. Remind me to tell you about my eldest daughter, by the way. But stood here today looking at it. With the knock-on effect, I've probably saved hundreds of thousands of lives with what I do. I give a, We give 25% of our, our earnings away back to people who need it. You know, 25% of our co- uh, company is pro bono for people who can't afford it. Looking back now, I would say, yeah. I really would. You know, I'd say I had to go through that. It was meant to be. Uh, I should have died hundreds of times in situations that I put myself in. But coming out today at the age of 61, looking back, going, yeah, I was definitely meant for this. And then the only other thing is, it, it, do I stay anonymous? or do? When I first, first joined this journey, people in 12-step mood say, you shouldn't be saying your second name. And I'm like, look, I'd rather someone know who Rob Kelly is and find me than just Rob K and die of alcoholism. And that's the way I've been. I'm out loud. I'm, I'm, I'm aggressive. I'm, some, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But if you want to get well and get your life back, I'm your guy. And, it, and if you don't, I'm not your guy. Don't, don't even bother calling me. You know, I'm just sick and tired of people dying around of all sorts of addictions that just don't, they don't be told the truth. You see, it's okay legalizing marijuana. That's great. Oh, everyone, have you educated the, 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 the public about that? About the danger? Have you, no, the government hasn't. No state has done that. that. That I have a problem with. You know, it's like everything else we eat and do. It's like, oh, this is cheap. I'll get this. I'll buy this. Oh, look at this for $2. Stuff with all our corn syrup and crap that's going to kill us. Nobody educates anybody anymore. Well, not this guy. This guy's loud and will educate anybody that wants to listen because you don't have to stand for it. You know, oh, listen to this, guys. If, if, if you're if something that, if you go into bed, go, oh, God, I've got work in the morning. Oh, God, get another job. If you sat at home and you like your wife, get another wife or husband. You know, but it's not Or work easy. on it or be willing to work, put the work in. Maybe you need an attitude adjustment because you're not working to your potential. Exactly. Perhaps. Yeah. We only work to 25% of our potential. You know, yeah. it's not that easy. It really is that easy. It literally is that easy. You know, stop putting these rules and regulations on life. You get one yeah. shot at this, guys. That's all. Yeah. Dr. Rob, I think you would agree with me then. Everything I'm studying about death and afterlife and purpose and all the people I've had on, 
it really is. And and I just had Damien Bankhead on and it's like all the crazes and all the exercise and all the fitness, it really stems from, and we should get back down to basics. And it doesn't, we've created such complicated things and complicated ingredients and complicated ways to do things that has created a need to have all these specialties and money-making situations. And it's like, I talking to my birth sister, um, I'm like, well, you know, you just need to go for a walk. You're depressed. Get out and go for a walk. Clean up your, your pantry. You need to exercise. You used to exercise. We are from, we have the same blood. I need to exercise to stay mentally healthy or I'm an absolute bitch. And, um, I knew that as a youth, my mother said, just go for a run. I can't be around you. Right. And no. And, and Corey's like, no, it's not that easy. You don't understand when you're depressed. It's a whole thing and you can't just go for a walk. And I'm of the belief, well, why can't you just go for a walk? Why not? Why can't you just, I have a problem. I need to get it fixed. What, what do you see? What, what is the disconnect here? It's one is perception. First of all, it's very important. And it's complacency. We fall into this routine in 2022 and for the last 10 years of this is how I am. Mom, I'm depressed. I don't know why. I'll tell you why you're not depressed. Just what Wendy has said. Get your ass out. Go and help somebody. Give somebody. Cover on somebody. Call somebody up. Get out. Stop being selfish. Now, I need, to, I need to wrap this around it, guys. If you have chronic depression, there's something wrong. Clinical depression, we called it in my day, bipolar today. Then obviously you need help. There's nothing wrong with that. But for the average person that I've met, and in my opinion, the reason why you are like that is because you're sat on your backside most of the time. You're watching crap shows on TV. You're listening to, to really dark music. I mean, come on. Like a computer, what goes in will come out. It's the same thing. Get out there. You can change. Start eating raw foods. What I'm going to get is a tin of carrots. Why don't you buy carrots from a farm and eat them? Just start there. Nothing, nothing crazy. And let me tell you, listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to shock everybody now. You ready, guys? Okay. We only breathe 10, 20, 25% of our lung capacity. Everybody does, unless you know about breath work. Not the breath work you know. When oxygen is present in the body, no cancers, or anything can grow any further than they are. When oxygen, I didn't know that. Oh, I tell you now, you don't know anything. When it comes to this, nobody knows anything. Oxygen, when present, most of us live in this hypoxic state. The yep. brain is dying because there's not enough oxygen in the body. And everything. that's when we get depressed. You got to do the breathe in 10 times as much as you can and out 10 times every day. Stand in front of the mirror and tell yourself today. It's going to be a great day. You text me or email me. If it's not, I'll send you $100. It's impossible not to it be. All this dark stuff, we go home, we watch horror movies. All this state of mind damages us and you will go down the drink. You might as well go and drink or take drugs or do it if you're in that state because that's not living, my friends. That's not living. Start living the dream. I think we're here for a purpose and we need to like figure that out. And to figure that out, we need to make the right choices to get us to our highest self. And that means free and clear 
of stuff that shuts down our brains and our bodies. Totally agree with you. Find your niche in life, guys. Find your niche. Find out what yeah. you're put. I found out. I know millions of people I know have found out. Find your niche. What are you find amazing at? Then find out a way to earn money doing that and helping other people. Helping other people always is going to always put you in the right frame of mind. It kind of fills, it fills like this, I call it like you fill a bank of extra happy, good stuff that you can withdraw as you need to. When you're feeling a little down, you've got this like bank of stores of good stuff over here to grab from. But I have a really important question for you. Um, as we discussed earlier, you know, we talk about the prevalence of drugs and alcohol. And I've had different people on, like Jen of Sober Sis and other people. Anthony Atkampora has been on about his addiction program, also faith-based. Seems like everybody who's been on the podcast believes in a higher source and they're finding their way, which is interesting if you want to draw some conclusions there. But here we are. We have women like in their second win, like me and men. And it's so part of the tapestry of our lives, alcohol. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm watching you know, my son-in-law's age group, the 30s and ups, even my son, who say, well, it's better that I'm smoking marijuana just to take that edge off than having alcohol. And I wanted to get your opinion on that. Because I and I'm kind of like, well, what's the difference between this and a couple of drinks? And all I can come up with is, well, uh, you're still you're still putting smoke into your lungs. I think that's probably bad, but I don't really know. I don't have a comeback. Oh, uh, I hear that so many times. I just need a bit. I just need tomorrow on to take the edge off. What edge? Why do you want to have an edge? What edge? What are you talking about? That's a really good. question. Shut up. Get it. Get it done. Come on. Listen. Everything you put inside you damages you. That's foreign. That's a foreign object. Medication. Everything. That we put in corn syrup, you know, bad stuff, drugs, alcohol. It all has an effect. Vaping now. Oh, wait till that comes out next year. The, the research on that is going to going to shock a lot of my people. My son but is a, and my son and his girlfriend, you know, vaping. I find the sh I find the little stuff. I'm like, please, stop. please stop. But again, following the herd, you know, it's like if you have to put something inside your body, if you have to take the edge off, you're doing something wrong in life. You're not living life. You're just following the herd. You just got your head down. You're climbing back in that box of isolating, being quiet, and just going with the flow. Let me tell you something now, especially after COVID. The world needs leaders. And I told you before, there's no consequence. And guys, let me tell you this. If you're watching and listening to this podcast, there's a reason why you're here. And that's possibly because you need to be that leader in your community or family or work or friends, where you go home and take the edge off how many people are dying on a daily basis because you can't be bothered to get out there, get to a club, help people, you know, be in the community, but you want to go home and take the edge off. Jesus, what edge, guys? Why do you have an edge? God, blimey, get your life together. You know, stop doing this. That's a good point. And, and listen, guys, guess what? If you don't think your kids are going to do up what? They're going to do the same as you do. It's called enmeshment and learned behavior. I told, I was talking to Wendy before. We put, listen to this, guys. We put a thousand fleas in that big, big mason jar with a lid on top, punched a lot of holes in it. We left it for three days. 
because fleas can jump four, three, four feet, no problems. We took the cap off. Not one flea in that bottle would jump higher than where the cap was. And what was the thing that's interesting? Listen to this. The babies they had in that jar also wouldn't jump higher than where the lid was. So what we're going through is learned behavior. If you're happy to follow route in that dumb drum, get married, have two kids, live in a you know, an apartment that the government pay, whatever. If you're happy with that, good. You know, good. Turn the TV off or the podcast, good. I'm happy for you. But again, stop being selfish. Oh, it can't be me, Wendy. I can't be a leader. I'm talking to you guys who are listening to this, men and women, kids, whatever, aunties, uncles, grandfathers, grand, everybody. We need to lead this country away from the crap we've got ourselves into because isolation Kills people. I had a friend the other day. I'm like, you need to come out and get to this meeting. Hey, Dr. Rob, I have 500 friends on Facebook. No, oh, you're plugged into the wall. You're plugged into the wall. That's all you are. You've got 5,000. Are you kidding me? Come on. Let's get back so, out in the community again. Oh, my gosh. That's so well said. You know what? That would be a really good thing. However, um, and I would say that to my son, and he would say, I, you, you can't, I, I just worked, you know, 14 hours. You don't even know. I don't get enough time off, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're right. I'm really sorry. And then not nah. excuses the behavior. Perception. You get to work 14 that hours a day. You get to do that. You get to drive home in a car. You get back to a house where the kids are. You get it. Oh, I've worked 14 hours. You're supposed to work 14 hours. You're the freaking father. What the heck? That's what he's supposed to do. Oh, that crap. Oh, I've worked eight hours. I need a break. Yeah, what you need is a slap around the foot. I'm getting excited now, Wendy. You, that's what we do as men and women. Loads of leaders, women that I know. Phenomenal. Stop being that guy, please. Stop doing it. Well, I just, I, I deserve, you deserve nothing right now. You deserve to grow your kids up with different behavior that you had. You need to provide for your wife lovingly and the kids and make them safe and feel good being the leader in the house and the community. That's what you need to do. That's what you deserve. Not a beer when you get home. You one fine. You've got to be doing these things. Otherwise, why are you here? Why, why are you and here? You'll, I know you're going to agree with me because um, we were talking too. Interesting laugh. This is like, Wendy, share your life. But my son-in-law will partake and and then after partaking, is not a very nice and, and kind of a moody person. And I'm just like, what can we do? And it makes sense to me, the self-saboteur situation. If, if you've got your brain constantly telling you things aren't right, it's not good enough, things should be better, why aren't they better? If you have this banter going on through your head all the time, and just to turn it off, the easiest switch would be the alcohol or the 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 ganja, whatever you call that stuff. Um, how how would you suggest? You know the same thing with adults who are are having the cocktails every night. Listen, guys, you need to really evaluate your life, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple of things that you need to know. If you're at home now thinking you're not good enough, you're never going to amount to anything, and your life's kind of worthless. I want to apologize to you because somebody's put that there. Okay, first of all. Secondly, if you don't think, hello, hi, nice to meet you, I'm going back a few years now, but the guy, California, 
said he was going to walk. He's wanted to commit suicide. He said, I'm going to walk to the Golden Gate Bridge and I'm going to jump off and kill myself. And that's exactly what he did. And when he found the body, he found out where he lived and went back to the house. It was an apartment. Got in the apartment and he found a suicide note on the coffee table. And it read, and I'll try and be as, as close as possible. I'm going to walk two miles to the Golden Gate Bridge. When I get there, I'm going to throw myself off and commit suicide. Unless somebody says, hi, how are you doing? Have a great day on the way. Don't ever tell me that your little words has an effect on people because it does. If you, if you listen, if you're in a built up area with people, you know, loads of shopping centers, something, here's how you can tell. Okay. This is, you can have an effect. Spot somebody. I also like to use sneakers because it's a great example. Watch someone who's nice sneakers. Hey buddy, nice sneakers. Oh, thanks man. Watch him walk away. Turn around and watch him. He's going to look down at his sneakers two or three times. So you've made his day. Brilliant. He goes home to the girlfriend or wife. He's in a good mood. Now she's in a good mood. Mother-in-law calls. Hey, Jenny. Hi, hi, mom. Now mother-in-law's in a good mood. And then because mother and so on and so forth, it's like it matters, guys. The compliments, you know, you look amazing. You've got great shoes. Thank you for your work. Because people don't tell each other. I remember in Dallas when we had these huge offices, this guy came in and went out. And the nurse said, a new nurse said to the old, older nurse who's been with us, did you just see what Dr. Kelly did? And she went, that guy came in, he was suicidal. He went out, he's smiling, wait, giving us hugs. It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? And the other nurse says, knowing what's going on. Yeah, he is. Have you told him? Oh, no. I mean, he already knows, but I know. Nobody knows, guys. I'm sorry, but Nobody we knows. don't know. What, heart surgeon, I don't care what you are. We don't know because we, people think we know. No. Compliment me. You'll feel good dopamine. I'll feel good dopamine. You just made my day. I'm going to go home see the what? Believe me, guys. One little comment or word. I compliment three people every day, and I gift, thank God, monetary every time I leave the house, one person. Oh, my gosh. I love that. How can you be depressed living like that? You can't. I, and if you, if, you're, if you are unsure or feel weird about doing what Dr. Rob just said, start with a smile with a little eye contact, just smile at someone, just start there. It makes a difference. It changes people, especially in when people, especially during this holiday season, when people are going to get crabby, oh, God, yeah. line, turn around and say, hello, how are you today? Cause this is how it works. We, we did an experiment. We put 10 people in a room, strangers. One of my yep. staff walked in with a frown on her face. Most people, when they frown back, we took them out. We sent, this, we sent the same person in the same room with the same people with a smile on their face. Everybody smiled back. Whoa. Bang. That's incredible. Whoa. I know. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit, Rob, uh, Dr. Rob, about like, what, does, what do people do? How do you get your people? What, what's the program? The program is a 90 to 180 days long, three to six months, depending on how you are. It's a, we don't need to do telehealth right now unless we have private patients, which we go to their house and stuff like that and stay with them. But it's one hour a day, five days with me, two days with a psychotherapist. You have coaches around you. You have mentors. And we literally use neuroscience, psychology, somatic experience, neuro-language programming, and brain spotting to change and rewire the basal ganglia. The basal ganglia is the repetition, strengthening, confirms, most people, as an addiction, it has a flaw in it 
around 10 to the hour. So everything's going great. Got the job. Wife's come back. Kids are great and mess. And bang, we self-sabotage because the hypothalamus is telling us to do that. That's mm -hmm. it. We, we repair all that. We'll help you get a job. We'll help you start a business. We also include the family. If anybody in your household, living in the household, is over the age of 18 and, and the wife, you have to come on board and do your work because it's a family disease. It's also a family recovery. And we get this all the time. The wife, for instance, not always the wife, guys. Well, it's not, he, he's the problem, not me. Oh, oh, really? So answer me this question, wifey, if you don't have any trauma. Why have you allowed your kids to see him beat you every night? What's that about? Oh. What about your trauma? You can't miss. When the family, especially the wife, is involved in the husband's recovery, the recovery rate goes up by 42%. That's us doing them studies. But that's what we do. I mean, it's just we love what we do because we do what we love, you know? What about and, women? Do you have women as well? Oh, yes. Recovery? Oh, okay. yeah, definitely. So the husband would then have to be yeah. involved. Of course, yeah. Then the husband has to be involved. But listen to this. Okay, so three years ago, I'm in bed. Uh, I hear the bing message on Facebook. I'm like, who the hell is texting me at that time? Looks in it, and it was Charlie Kelly. We called her Charlotte, but we used to shorten it to Charlie. And I looked at it, and I wrote my wife up and said, that's my daughter. It's my daughter that I haven't seen for 20, 30-odd years. It's my daughter, Janet. And we got up. It's like, oh, my God. And it read, hey, Dad. Dad. I've not heard that word for so long. Oh, my gosh. Hey, Dad. I've just seen you on TV over here, blah, blah, blah. We flew over on the next red line. I met my daughter for the first time in all that time. We hugged. We We cried. It was so emotional. I was so nervous and embarrassed that I'd, I'd abandoned her. And she said, Dad, I've got something to show you. And she walked me into the living room, handed my, me my three-month-old granddaughter. Oh, phenomenal. So that's what we do. We're not, we don't like to call us our addiction services. We put families back together again is what we do. That's been destroyed by addiction, behavior, and trauma. That's what we do, and we love every second of it. Plus, we do a five-year case management study on you. When you leave, that's also keeping in touch with you, making sure you're good. But it also serves for our records to be proudly records back and just say, hey, we've got a 97, 98% success rate right now. So I've got a, a huge question for you for people that are listening. I know if I was listening to this, I would think about people that I know personally that I would think would, would need a program like yours. Then you start... I don't know if it's rationalizing, but you start thinking, well, they're not that bad. You know, it's not that bad. They're, they're existing. They have a great job. They, you know, it's just, you know, at parties, sometimes they drink too much or they get a little moody the next day, things like that. How bad does it, I know you don't want people to get to the point you were at, but when is when, when is when, I guess that's my question. How do you know when you need to say, I need help? If you think to yourself one day, or you ask somebody, do you think I've got a drink problem? <laughs> you have a drink problem, okay? Alcoholism is the only self-diagnosed illness, so I would say, in the world. So I'd say to young people, teens, 20s, if you think you have a problem, start dialogue with somebody. Call us up anonymously. You can always speak to my staff free of charge. Just call them up. Do you think I'm We're never going to sell you anything. You can't, you can't buy our services. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's like on four pages. We're booked up for the next 20 years, I think. But we'll give you free advice. As a parent, if you see 
think your kid is drugging or alcoholing too much, especially if there's a victim in the family, get into his room and find out when he's out. Oh, I can't go into his privacy. Yeah, I have more. I can't count the amount of times that I've gone to funerals where mom and dad don't go into the room in case they really. I would rather you find out that they have a problem with bottles, unkempt, missing dinners, missing outings, isolating, then you have to attend a funeral a couple of months later because that's the reality, guys. That's the reality. There was a funeral that my wife went to uh, about six, seven years ago and talking to the wife of a guy that died of alcoholism, going just exactly what you just said there, Wendy. She said, why didn't we get in touch with us? And do you know what she said, Wendy? Well, it wasn't that bad. Right. He's, he's dead. He's in the ground. What do you mean it wasn't that bad? Don't ever think it's not that bad, guys. Don't ever think you're going to waste our time. You're not. You know, it's just we're here to help. That's our primary purpose in life today is how can I serve another human being? Not even alcoholic drunk. How can I serve another human being to get you to the place I am today? Happy, joyous, and free. No trauma. Living life to the max. How can I do that, guys? We have a sliding scale. We have, you know, pro bonus back to it for two years. But how can we help you today? But you're booked up. But you're booked up. You are you not? You're not taking any new patients. We're not taking full time patients, as in the ninety days right now, unless it's a special, obviously special need, or you you need our service. Then obviously I'm, I'm going to work extra hours and cover you. But we can we can slot people in all over the place. I only work four hours a day. If, if, we get a, if we get six or seven guys calling me, two wants full-time, I'm taking them. The rest want part-time, you know, one hour here, one hour a week, two hours a week. I'm going to fit you in. We've never turned anybody away. Never turned anybody away. They'll always find a way to work with you. I have counselors that, that work for me from all over the world that will take you and work with you for $50 okay. an hour or 25 days. It doesn't make any difference. We're here to okay. We will work around you. You know, with a concierge service, but we still do 25% pro bono. Now, you got to remember that we give $150,000 away, comes from the book, 20000 will come from the book, 130000 comes from me and my wife's pocket, back into the community that needs help. 25% of our work is pro bono. Now, we're a multi-million dollar practices for around the world. That's a lot of money that we give back. We're always going to find a way to get you well, period. Oh my gosh. I love that. Absolutely love it. How do people, first of all, what's the name of your book? Remember the story with my daughter? The last thing she said to me was, Daddy, Daddy, please stop drinking. drinking. And it's on my website, robkelly.com, R-O-B-B-K-L-L-Y.com. Stick Dr. Rob in any search engine, you'll see me. And the book, just for note, it's $9. Jump on, buy it. It's a great read. If you don't like it, give it to somebody else. I'll refund your money. But I got to tell you, that not all the profits, because everyone says that, all the profits go to, no. That means after everybody's at their piece, 1% of that, $9 will go to somebody. If they're lucky, we take nothing. The $9 I can categorically prove goes out back into the community to one-parent families, people coming out of jail, they need a second chance, they need a suit for the court meeting, they need an attorney, they need a car, they need a, a, a 12-month lease on a, we will cover all of that because that's what we do. Is this book a good place for someone to, like for me, say, to give to some of the boys in my family who may be saying, 
gosh, I'm spending a lot on alcohol and weed a week. I, I, I wish I could stop. I need to stop, yes. but I'm not. Yeah, 100%. That's, That's what most people knew. Especially with the husband and, and some sometimes daughters, you'll go, hey, buy the, buy the book and, and give it, hey, look, this crazy guy. Just Google him. He's, cra he's a crazy, he's supposed to be a doctor. He's got blue hair. He wears crazy shoes, pink shorts, and he's crazy. They are. There's the book. Go and read it if you want. That's the best way to get to the, you know, and anybody suffering from any addiction, guys, golden rule, start dialogue. Start dialogue. And stop getting all the, even myself, you sit, you rationalize. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why people. That takes up your memory for less than a millisecond about loved ones, alcohol, drugs, cake, sex, food, porn, whatever it is, you, there might be a problem. And it's best to be wow. just get it out, you know? They'll thank you one day. Because if they're not and they're not abusing it, they'll go, hey, mom, go on, I'm not doing that. And in a few years' time, they'll tell you one day, remember when you told me that? Wow, it changed my life. And if they are, you'll realize if they are. And then again, in a few years' time, 10 to 20 years, they're going to look back and say, mom, when you asked me that question, it, it really, really made me change my life around. So dialogue, guys. Get it out. Don't be shy. So, Dr. Rob, what keeps you going every day? Uh, helping others. I mean, it really does. We get up a f At the moment, we've got to take our, uh, our youngest. Uh, sorry, our middle child. Dogs. Sorry, guys. I used to hate when people said that. Uh, <laughs> so we're up at five. My wife takes her to Austin, which is a three-hour round trip, and then waits for two hours there. So uh, we're, we're doing this thing in the moment. But helping people, it really does. And that's what we do. You know, if somebody came tomorrow when you said, I'm going to give you a hundred billion dollar uh, check right now, but you can't work with another people, another person in your life, I, I don't want it. Because this is what wow. keeps me, you know, to watch someone change, Wendy, to watch their face change, to watch the eyes, the light in the eyes come on again and realize that they might be able to do this is mind blowing. Can you always spot that in oh, someone? Yeah. Always. First time it freaked me out. The second time it freaked me out. The first two years, it used to freak me out that I can change people's like me. Yeah. That, you, talk about imposter syndrome, right? Yes. Not good enough. Yeah. You'll be tall enough, blonde enough, rich enough, or thin enough. That's the imposter right. syndrome. Throw it out the window. You deserve to be there wherever you are in life, guys. And if you're not, you can be there. Because if you think there's a difference between the CEO up there in that big office and you, you're wrong. If degrees don't make crap today, then we're not. Elon Musk will hire you if you have a degree. They're nothing. They used to be great and they are alive. They're not these days. You can be right. sat in that room. Do you know the difference between you two guys? Is he wanted me bad enough. So get up every morning and ask yourself, how bad do I want this? You can be anybody you want to be. You can be rich, happy, poor, working class, father. You can be all of those things because life is for living. Quantum physics tells us, you know, I can be on a basketball court at the same time 25 times. That's what quantum physics tells me. 25 times. Where do I want to be? Over near the goal, get the ball, boom, head over the game. I can see myself doing that. I can also see the 24 places, but that's where I want to be. How do I get there, Dr. Rob? Walk over and take that position. Don't beg for it. Don't call for it. Walk over and take it. What you visualize here, you can hold here. Ugh. That's that whole manifestation thing. Right? Oh, it's so, it's so powerful. People think it's not. Oh, well, don't even go with the energy around us and the universe. That's a whole different show. It'll freak anybody out. Listen to it. Now you're so you're you're so energetic and so passionate. 
you had to start this company and start this whole healing process for others. And I'm sure there's been bumps and different obstacles along the way. How did you stay true to it? Because it's been a growth process for you too. You've been doing this for a long time. Not a lot of people know this, but eight years ago when we had offices in Dallas, Highland Park, uh, very prestige offices, uh, I was seeing 25, 30 patients at a time. It was horrendous. I had a breakdown um, mm. and they rushed me to hospital. Didn't know where I was, you know, just horrible. And they shipped me off to a place called the Meadows in Arizona to deal with trauma that I'd not even thought I had, but was destroying me. So yeah, there's been breakdowns. There's been hospital trips, you know, because I want to help everybody. And I've realized over the last two or three years that I can't do that. I want to, but I have to start looking after me. So a friend once told me, well, remember the last time you was on a plane and got through all the security things? I said, yeah. When the oxygen mask drops down, what's the first thing they ask you to do? I said, put it on yourself where you can help other people. He said, exactly, Dr. Rob, that's what you need to do. That's what I do today. You know, I need to look after myself. I eat raw minerals wherever possible. I drink plenty of water. I stay away from, from Coke and Pepsi and, and all that stuff. And uh, I don't know, man, it's just, I'm living the dream. What can I say? I'm living the dream. There are setbacks in life. But again, when I look back, People, you know, I have people today coming when they go, listen, not being funny, but what do you know about having trauma and a breakdown? What do you, let me talk to you about only eight years ago and that happened to me. It's like another degree in my bag, you know, from that yes. Harvard. It's like God takes me through all of this so I can be beneficial to people who don't think. Because when people meet me on the street who don't know me, I don't look like an alcoholic or an addict or the guy that almost murders his wife, left his kids. Beat people. You don't look like that guy. But when you sit down, something magical happens from one addict to another, from one food addict, sex addict, porn addict, alcohol, whatever, one to another, where we communicate. It's called a mirroring part of the brain. It's a good sales technique. You know, once that's connected, no other person. So if you're in recovery helping somebody else, I want to tell you something. Nobody can do what you do. God gave it to us. Didn't give it to the doctors, scientists, the surgeons, the, the government. Didn't give it to them. Give it to us. One alcoholic, one addict to another, we can take them far more. We, we, get to, we get to bring these guys back from the gates of insanity and death. That's how important you are. So keep doing it, my friends. You're awesome. And John, who sat in the back of that room of that 12-step program, you're, we want to say you're angel, right? Everybody's got angels. Yeah, I believe so. There's no other explanation for it, but... I won't, I won't tell that for the first 15 years. I would never tell anybody because everyone would laugh at it. I'm sure they would laugh at it. So I didn't. But when I started to tell it, people were like, oh, my goodness, yeah. Let me tell you what happened to me. I'm like, really? Something yeah, like that. I started telling that story. But, yeah, for a long time, I was kind of embarrassed about that story. People thought I was a little bit, you know. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite story. <laughs> you have. It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. And. It just shows you so much that we don't know. And our little brains cannot wrap their, our little brains can't wrap around it. So Dr. Rob, share with us again, how do people find you? Jump onto Google, Dr. Rob Kelly. I'll jump on the website because I see a button there you can press. Shh, that comes straight through to me. Passes all the options straight through to me. You'll find it. R O B B. K-E-L-L-Y.com, robkelly.com. John Pond, it'd be great to speak to you. 
do you know what freaks him out when I answer the phone? And he goes, is that Dr. Rob? Oh, my, oh, my God. Oh my. Like, this is the guy that was homeless, you know? This is not the guy on TV. This is not the guy with the book. That I, that he's not that guy. I'm the guy that sold his kids out for alcohol, and I'll always have my feet in the trenches, and you will always be able to get hold of me. Uh, well, I can't top that. Dr. Rob, if you had one, do you have a mantra or something, one thing you can leave us with that stick in our, our brains that we can think about as we leave you today? Start living the dream and stop dreaming the living. We don't have time. We really don't have time. You think you do. Ask, ask, if you go in a, like a retirement home and talk to people, like, oh, we did, we did deathbeds with family members. I thought I had more time. No, you don't. Uh. You don't. Do it now. If not now, when? If not you, who? Remember that, guys. That's the one I want to leave. If not now, when? And if not you, who? Well said. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you for being so open and honest and sharing your story. Get the book, people. Go check out the website. You'll see this amazing doctor in all kinds of colored scrubs running around stages and telling people, don't waste my effing time, you know, like, uh, yeah, don't sit in front of him. Don't sit in front of yourself and waste your own time not doing the work and getting yourself to where you need to be. No excuses, right? No excuses. Stop putting it off. No excuses, guys. Thank you, Dr. Rob. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, Go ahead and breathe in your second wind.